creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. What is a cult? To many of us, cults can be a point of mystery and confusion. One definition of a cult is a social group characterized by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs and rituals. Today on Culture Click, we speak with a former cult member, Elizabeth Perry. Elizabeth shares the isolation, confusion, and struggles she experienced, her eventual separation from her family, and the healing that came with a world that was hidden from her. I'm Giovanni Bermudez. Join us as we learn about growing up in a cult of religious extremist through the eyes of someone who's lived through it in today's Culture Click. I'm here with Elizabeth Perry. How are you doing today, Elizabeth? I am great. How are you? I'm doing all right. I want to thank you for joining us in the studio and sharing your story. Oh, thanks for having me, man. So, uh, you know, I wanted to start things off. What would you say is a cult? Well, I I think that's kind of hard to define. You know, when a lot of people think of cult, they think of like a Charles Manson-esque figure. Like, it needs a charismatic figurehead. I'm not going to go around name-dropping mainstream religions here and labeling them a cult but there is one and they do knock on your door and they're not led by a single figurehead they're led by a council um but i think pretty much everyone would agree that it's it's still a cult so let's kind of try to dismantle that idea of there needs to be like a single figurehead to for it to be a cult right right i have the definition here it even says uh Ah. it's uh defined as a religion regarded as unorthodox or uh, spurious and another definition says a system of religious beliefs or rituals dedicated to a specific object individual or group yeah i i think that that would definitely be a lot more accurate than sort of the pop culture kind of definition of what a cult is um and it, it can be sort of separated from a religion um in that the religion might be what unifies people but it's it's sort of the beliefs and the way that they practice that religion that makes them a cult i think one really common example is home churches a lot of them the fbi classifies a lot of home churches as cults really it's it's one of the things that sort of pads up the statistics about what how many cults there are because there's like several thousand cults that operate in the u.s and it's those insular communities um, that make it so it's not the church itself mm-hmm. that makes it it's not the fact that they practice at home because obviously not everyone who does home church is in a cult right. but it's the extreme levels of control and isolation that can often go hand in hand with it that sort of defines it as a cult right right and as we know the uh, social version the social definition of the word may not be the dictionary definition you yeah. see that with a lot of yeah words. connotation and denotation um, Right, right, right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the one that you grew up in? Sure. Um, So the cult that I grew up in kind of falls into that definition that I was talking about earlier in that we were part of a larger church, but that larger church was not the cult. Um, At its peak, there were about five families inside of the quote-unquote cult that I was in. Mm -hmm. I would say more of like a religious extremist group with like cult ideologies. Um, If you ever look up the Stephen Hassan bite model, um, it's really accurate in my experience to what cults are. Uh, Stephen Hassan is a psychologist who made a model of basically four different criterias of what defines a cult pretty much or aspects that you can look for. 
Um, um, could you group. summarize it? Because uh... Sure. So, bite is behavior control, mm-hmm. or B is behavior control, B-I is an information control, T, T is like, it's isolation. So, like, if they isolate people, mm-hmm. and then E is entertainment. I don't know. I don't, I, I should have it pulled up. I don't. Um, but essentially, it goes through the four criterion of... Do they isolate people? Do they control information? Um, and it's sort of those those criteria. Like, is there a charismatic figure? Do they um, isolate people after they leave? Right. I, I have them. I actually found it here. There we so go. it's behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. Yeah, there we go. I um, don't know why those didn't come to me. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. You know, we all have those moments where we kind of are unable to <laughs> remember those small details as I did with connotation denotation. <laughs> um, so uh, let's uh, dive a little bit into this cult of yours, just sure. if you don't mind. Uh, what what were some of the major beliefs? So the major beliefs were essentially that control was like paramount um, in that the father or mother, so the parents, the adults in the group knew best, and they had absolute say over everything. It was sort of a very extreme idea of we are in the world, but we're not of the world. So the best example that I tend to give people is I was 17 years old when I first talked to someone who was not either directly affiliated with the group or... I was not being directly supervised. Uh, I was practically an adult when I first had a conversation that was not being monitored. Um, And then, you know, I was 17 or 18 and my mom was like, yeah, I have to approve the shirt that you buy with my own money. Um, So a lot of instances of that, um, I would say kind of disownment. My family was very close. Like I said, there were four or five families. Right. My family was the smallest. We had five kids, and everyone it just went up from there. I think the most had like 14. Wow. Um, so it was very few adults, but a lot of children. And as the kids grew into adults, more and more of them started leaving because they realized how messed up it was. Um, we weren't allowed to swim. If we went out in public, we had to have someone else there with us. I remember I was 12 and my mom told me specifically that I had to go outside with my brother um, to see what he was doing, to make sure he wasn't doing anything bad. Um, so it was, it was a lot of instances kind of like that of just controlling where people went, what they did. Um, there was no, I would say, like figurehead. Like I said, it was part of a larger church. Right, right. It was just a group of those parents that kind of got together and chose to isolate themselves from the larger church because they believed they were the only ones doing it right. Um, would you mind if I ask what was the larger church that they were breaking off of? So it's a denomination of Catholic. Um, it's not what you think of when you think of tradition, like right, normal, right. like uh, Roman Catholic. Um, it's an offshoot of that, um, and then we were an offshoot of an offshoot, essentially. Um, mm. And so we were very much isolated within a group that kind of isolated themselves. So we were two degrees removed from normalcy. 
I don't wow, know if that's that is, a word. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing to think about. You know, it's, right. uh, you have the mainstream religion everyone knows. Yeah. And then you have a branch off of that that'll still claim its name, but doesn't have its necessarily have its beliefs. Yeah. And then a branch off of the branch off. Yeah. But still claims the name of the original. Yeah. And uh, I am... I imagine that could be a bit of a problem because let's say if like the major religion, if you'll say in this case it's Catholicism, doesn't really have anything wrong with it, but people focus on this sect that you were in, kind of yep. gives a bad name to the major one that they attach themselves to. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's that's kind of the issue with like tagging things as like cults because that has kind of a, a definition, but you know, religious extremist, I feel like is a lot more more nuanced, but not a lot of people understand what that is and they're like Oh, religious extremists, like terrorist. Right. Yeah, because that's kind of what it's more associated with. So cult is kind of the, the more the more colloquial term, but I would say I was in a religious extremist group. Mm-hmm. All right. Um along you, you talked about uh the whole families can't go with you or family has to go with you wherever you went or monitor or prove everything. What other outlandish beliefs existed within this uh extremist group? I mean, my mom firmly believed that one of our presidents was the Antichrist. Um, but I Which think one, if I may ask? Obama. Okay. I don't know why. She never fully outlined her beliefs. I'm not sure if she still believes that, but that was, that was something that was pretty common within the group. So a lot of it was us versus them taken to the extreme. Right. And that if you leave, you're going to be corrupted. You're going to go to hell. And, you know, like I said, when the kids grew up, they started leaving. And when my oldest sister left, I were the only two girls. So she's at the top. I'm at the bottom Mm -hmm. in terms of age. So we were never close, close. But when she left and I got older and sort of got over the, oh, girly things are gross. You know, having three older brothers will do that. Um, we started bonding more, um, and my mom very much was of the idea that you have to be careful of everything your sister says because she's trying to corrupt you. And I'm like, she's my right. sister. She's not trying to corrupt me. She's trying to show me the world. And, like, the world is not this bad, scary place and everyone's out to get you. Like I was taught, it's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, so you, you talk about how your sister left, and it sounds like your mother didn't. Um, who who else has left along with your older sister? So I would say, and I might be getting ahead of myself here, in that my parents have sort of disaffiliated with this group. And I would say, in large part, now that all the children are grown, none of them have chosen to carry on this belief set. Um, or if they have, you know, it's such a minuscule amount that it's just that one family of weirdos. Um, so over time, my whole family has kind of disassociated. But in terms of like leaving during the peak, my sister left, my middle brother left, and then I left okay. um, in that order. So one thing that was always very common was is we would never kick out our kids. We've right. never kicked out our kids. And that's something very common is like they chose to leave. So you can sort of maintain sort of that that good persona of like, oh, bad people kick out their kids. So my sister started dating a guy who's divorced now. They're happily married. Um, but my mom, that's like a big no-no. You're not allowed to date divorced people. Right. Um, and so she and my mom got in a huge fight. And my mom essentially made it so hostile that she was unable to continue living there. 
either safely physically, I don't think anything would have happened physically, um, but definitely emotionally, it was not healthy. Uh, so my, <clears throat> excuse me, and so my sister left, and my mom always preserved that we didn't kick her out, she left. Well, if you're making it so hostile, you can't stay, you kicked someone out. Um, and that was the same thing with my brother, is he started dating a girl who he has a kid with now, they're not married, but they wanted to go on vacation, and it was the same thing. You either do it our way or the highway, and my brother chose to leave. But again, you know, that was them saying he chose to do it. Right, right. And so would you say that seeing this when you were younger is what got you to say, like, maybe this is wrong? Absolutely, you know? yeah. So my mom was abused when she was a kid, and my dad was parentified. If you don't know what parentification is, it's when a child is forced to take on attributes of an adult. Like if the adult is emotionally unstable and the kid has to step up and comfort the parent, that's parentification. It's a form of abuse and it's incredibly common inside of, of cults, especially when it comes to older siblings. Like you have to take care of the younger siblings. And that was, oh, that was very common. Um, my mom turn to the kids that were still inside for support as the older kids acted out. Um, and so I was the last to leave. So I was there comforting my mother through my sister leaving and my brother leaving. And then towards the tail end of everything happening with my brother, um, I started to realize on my own that, hey, she's not coming to me as much. She must think that I'm going to leave as well because hmm. the three of us look like her and the other two look like my dad and so she would always make comments about the three of us being so much alike so I was like oh well it's inevitable that I think I'm going to leave that she thinks I'm going to leave and ultimately she was right but I think that that was kind of interesting that she treated me differently after she sort of got it in her head that I was going to leave before I had even made up my decision to leave um which was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, now and now we see that you have left. Yeah. So once you did leave, what what struggles did you have to face when you've made your decision? I was very socially awkward. Um, so I, my family used to come up here to Winona for vacation. Um, and when I was looking at schools, I had, I knew I had enough. I knew that I wanted to leave and so I applied to Winona State. It was the one university that I applied to. And I got in, obviously, you know, uh, I'm a genius. Anyway, <laughs> we applied, I got in, and then um, I called my brother who left and his girlfriend. And I said, hey, I think I'm going to get kicked out of the house soon. I applied to a university out of state. I have a loan and I have ROTC. Um, so I signed up for ROTC when I came to Winona and that really was my lifeline. It was, it was the military. The military was going to pay for my schooling. It was going to pay for my housing. So I felt secure in my choice to leave. And my brother said, Hey, that's awesome. We'll drive you up there. Um, and my mom, uh, she started you know, treating me better because once I told them, Hey, I applied to a school out of state, I'm leaving. Um, it's, it's a lot easier for them to start, you know, treating you better because it's like, a, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose control of this person. They're going to go out in the world. Right. They're going to get corrupted. Um, and so they tried to get me to stay by being nicer. Um, 
I wasn't really having it. And maybe this is me being callous, but I, I told them, you know, you can either help me move or I can never talk to you again. Basically, like if, if my brother right, helps right. me move, I'll never talk to you again. But when I finally got up here, like I said, I was in ROTC mm-hmm. and we had a an event in lacrosse um, for the battalion. And I went there and everybody, you know, was talking and making friends. And I, I realized, you know, for the first time in my life, I, I already had an associate's degree by this point. But I realized, like, for the first time in my life, when I wasn't around people that I knew my brother, because I went to the same school as my brother, um, I didn't know how to talk to anyone. Right. So I walked around for, like, an hour and a half, and then I sat down at a picnic table and didn't know what to do. If I thought about going up to someone I didn't know how to approach, I was, like, paralyzed with fear. I had no idea how to how to even initiate that conversation or how to keep it going. Um And one of the upperclassmen, one of the juniors that year came up to me and he sat down at the table and he talked to me. And that was like the first interaction I had. And then through ROTC, you know, because I was in clubs while I got my associate's degree. But within clubs, it's very easy to continue being yourself. Um, And in ROTC, that's not an option. You have to be assertive you have to come out of your shell you have to be able to take control of a situation and so through the military i've learned you know to be a completely different person i i would not be sitting here having this conversation with you my with my first year at winona state that would not be happening um and that same junior who is now a senior (laughs) came up to me last year and he goes perry it's military, you know, everybody goes by the last names. He goes, Perry, you are completely unrecognizable to the person you were last year. Uh, if you told me that year that I met you, that this is where you would end up, I would say you're lying. Because I didn't expect you to last in this program because of how quiet and shy you were. And you have surpassed every single expectation. Um, so being socialized was very much the biggest issue that I had coming out because we didn't talk to anyone. You know, there were four or five families, right? But four of the families lived together in Kentucky. I'm from Southern Ohio for reference. So four of the families lived in Kentucky and my family was the only one that lived in Ohio. Also, it it wasn't a collective. Nope. So it wasn't within a compound. Um, We didn't even really get together. The parents did. Really? But the kids did not. So within a group, so there's the Catholic Church, then there's the larger church, then there's our group, and then there's the four families that lived close together. And then the family that lived far away, which which was was my family. So we were, you know, extremely isolated from everyone else. So so you didn't even get to interact with even other members of this organization. You were just secluded to your family alone. Yep. So we would see them on Sundays. um, But other than that, it was just too far of a drive for us to get together and meet. Other than that, um, the other members would they would have like homeschool meetings because we were all homeschooled right um and they would have homeschool meetings but we were you know totally totally isolated um so yeah i grew up not talking to anyone that wasn't either related by blood or if i talked to someone 
a family member was there with me carrying on the conversation. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, social issues are the most. Well, obviously, you've, you've talked about the struggles you had coming out of there, which you obviously have come about, and, you know, I'm happy to see that. Um, you know, what would you say to these people who haven't left yet, if you could say something to them right now? I think questioning is healthy, questioning anything, even questioning a religion if you're perfectly happy in that religion and you know it's not a cult. Like, if, if something is giving you an icky vibe, look into it. Get to the root of why it's giving you that vibe. Look into the root of the reason. Like, So one of the really big things that I don't think necessarily related to a cult, but I think it might have been, you know, fostered and, you know, enabled by it was a lot of emotional neglect in that you know issues were weren't prioritized there was a lot of gaslighting like oh my gosh this happened no it didn't to this day i maintain that my mother threatened to she had a bunch of surgeries um she was not in a good headspace she was being over medicated absolutely not her fault but she had a breakdown and she threatened to kill her kids with a knife and to this day, she denies that it happened. Mm-hmm. I don't blame her, obviously. You know, it's it was not her fault. Right, she was right. being medicated totally incorrectly. Um, but there's gaslighting that still goes on to this day. Um, so if, if if there are warning signs like that, look to what's facilitating it. Um, and then... Don't be afraid to face the harsh truths, I think. You know, no one wants to admit that that happened to them. No one wants to admit bad things. But, you know, you're not at fault. You, you're the victim. Even if even if you've done bad things in a cult, you know, it's the environment that enables it to go on. So would you say, like, with your parents, obviously they are part of this organization. You, you mentioned that they kind of went through abuse themselves and a lot of issues. So... Would do you blame them for what happened or do you think like they're just as victims just as I was and it's been Yeah, I I think that's definitely the case they so my mom came from an environment with a lot of control And so she enabled she in turn took that to mean control means love My dad came from an environment where there wasn't enough control and so he also took that to mean control means love Um, and so no one says, hey, I'm going to start a cult with my friends. I'm going to isolate my kids and control them to the point where they, you know, can't breathe and right. feel like they right. have to get away. Um, I think that the abuse that they went through definitely enabled that behavior. And I, I genuinely do not blame them. Like, we have a working relationship and I will never blame them for what happened because if... If things had been different, they wouldn't have done it. Right, right. And they're not like that now because now they're st- they've they've realized that this is actually wrong. After enough kids left and after enough kids talked to them, they're like, "This is actually wrong. What we did was wrong," um, and they won't apologize for it. And I, I think that their actions have spoken louder, and their their actions have said that they're sorry for it. Um, but yeah. I think it's absolutely because they were abused. Understood. Obviously, um, there's a lot of people listening. Maybe someone's in a similar boat to you. Maybe someone is in a similar boat to where you were, where they just left, or maybe they're still in. Um, 
what advice would you give them or what who would you think who would you say like hey maybe go to this person for support or something what resources could you provide for them if you're in university most colleges have a free counselor um but if you're in a situation where you have no social skills and this is going to sound really cringy but when i was young i used to look up on wiki how to talk to people like that's kind of embarrassing and now i'm admitting it to you know possibly thousands of people so i used to look that up and everything used to come down to oh just be confident how if i can't talk to someone how am i going to be confident so like the advice that i would give as someone who has been in that boat where ground zero you have no social skills is push yourself to join something you never thought you would do i never thought i would be in the military i'm going to be an officer in a year and i never thought i would be in that boat push yourself i'm not saying join the military but like if you really like knitting and there's a knitting club that you've always wanted to be a part of go join it like you're going to be bad at it you, it's it just is i'm not going to sugarcoat it you, it's going to be rough right, right. You're, you're going to feel like such an outcast but there are people who will understand and and don't lead with it on your sleeve that was something else that i learned is when i was young i used to entirely define myself as what i had been through mm-hmm. and that's the worst thing you can do when you're trying to get away from it okay. so you know right right yeah i would say just push yourself you're going to be bad just accept the fact that you're being bad at it and uh, take the approach to life of every day when i wake up it's going to be the best day ever and it's going to be better than yesterday you know y- your story reminds me of an old quote i'm not sure if you ever heard this it says from every forest fire there's a new there's ashes left for a new forest to grow And the idea is that within every tragedy, something good can come out of it or something good will come out of it. Um, And and, and really, your story is really something else. It's it's uh, it's incredible to hear the amount of progress you made. We often see stories like this. and We always think they end in tragedy. But, you know, you're a living example of I went through this and I was able to make it. And, you know, there's I know there's people out there who are in the same. I want them to succeed as well. Yeah. It's a beautiful story, really. Yeah. I mean, just keep pushing forward uh, as as the first sergeant at the reception, the 40, 43rd reception unit at Fort Leonard Wood told me once, today is going to be the best day ever. And that's the only advice you need to get through life. So that's the advice that I would give someone. Well, I, I do want to thank you, Liz, for being here and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Liz Perry for sharing her story today on Culture Click. If you'd like to learn more about Liz's story, go to anonin.org where you can find an article written by Sophia Saylor on Liz's experience. To keep up with all things Winona and the surrounding area, tune into Culture Click, Thursdays at 12.30 right here at 89.5 KQAL. I'm Giovanni Bermudez. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click. Culture Click.